Hi, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Human Centered, a brand new podcast series brought to you by VML YNR. I'm Nick Brunker, a director of experience strategy and your host for the show. We're glad you found us. Thanks for listening. On Human Centered, we'll explore how brands, both large and small, are winning at the CX game and discuss how professionals like you can tap into CX best practices to create value and gain traction in transforming your business. Lots of great stuff to get into today. In this very first episode, we're going to talk about the evolution of CX and dive deep a bit into the importance of human centered design, especially amidst the craziness that we're facing the global pandemic. To help us unpack all of that, I'm pleased to be joined today by the global CEO of VML YNR, John Cook, as well as the global chief experience officer, Jeff Gahab. Welcome, guys, and thank you for being here today. We can start things off, I guess, by doing some quick intros for those of you who may not have met John or Jeff. First, we'll start with John. Tell us a little bit about your background and your history at VML YNR. Yeah, my... Uh my background is quick because it's the same answer as my history of VML because it's pretty much where I've only place I've worked. I've been here 25 years almost. So VML and VML YNR. Before that, I started another agency and I grew up as somebody who uh, wanted to be in advertising. Like when I was in junior high, high school, college, uh, I always always wanted to be in advertising. So I'm kind of living that dream. I do it living in Kansas City. Um, where I grew up to be kind of on the global stage, living where uh, I grew up doing the uh, the industry that I wanted to be in. So uh, I'm happy. As you think about like the times that you have been in uh, over the last year or two, what a crazy evolution it has been from what advertising looked like 25 years ago when VML or more than that now uh, got going and where it is today. A lot of things probably are are the same, um, but a lot of things have changed. It's been quite an interesting evolution, I'd imagine, hasn't it? Yeah, I go back and forth. I some Sometimes I feel like it was yesterday I was in journalism school and we were talking about target audiences and how to persuade an audience and um, messaging being on point and understanding the benefits. And, how, and then I'm thinking, that's kind of what we still do, you know? And so that part, it's, it's I, I kind of romantically love how it's it's really not different in there. The fundamentals are the same, but I love the, the canvas that we get to do it on now, which I think, you know, relates to the topic of this podcast quite a bit, just the, the depth of, of uh, options we have of how to how to do that communications now, how to combine them. That's that's what keeps it so exciting. But at the end of the day, I love how, you know, the the, the f- core fundamentals of, of communicating persuasively to somebody about a brand and getting them to take an action, there's no difference from then, you know, in, in, in all this time. Jeff, you uh, have certainly played a big role in the development of, of the CX team and in, in uh, VML YNR and um, more broadly over the time that, that you've spent. Talk a little bit about where you started and how your track has, has led to where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Kind of like John, I mean, the, my, my, the story of my career is the story of VML YNR. Um, you, you know, I was actually a computer science uh, graduate and uh, took my internship at VML YNR. Um, is one of its first technology interns. And really for the 20 years I was here, I grew up in technology. And I think when you grow up in technology, you're just pretty close to the effects that it has on things. And so, you know, you work with clients, you work with talented people like we do with VML YNR, you begin to get a perspective on not just developing code, but how technology is being used. And as more technology was being used for marketing or to drive business or to drive customer experience, I just kind of got swept up in both the growth of the agency, but also that just growing trend in the industry and found myself sitting wherever technology was having an impact on business. I found myself, you know, in a position to try to interpret that um, and and make sense of it. And so that that, you know, with so much of today's world being 
kind of perpetually disrupted by that, you know, it's kind of just brought me along on the customer experience ride. And so I feel like I've just been kind of a witness and, and, uh, and kind of riding down the river as, uh, that construct has, uh, unfolded. It really has been such an interesting time of late to talk CX and the evolution of CX. We'll dive deep into that in a second. But I think when you you hear VML and you see some of the work that we do and um, you you hear some of the, the value propositions we, we talk about daily, it's it's a connected brand and what it means to be a connected brand. John, let's talk a little bit about that to kind of uh, lay the foundation for some of the discussion today. How does brand experience and customer experience actually work together to create that meaningful value? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, first of all something I think it's I think it's a secret to any success VML YNR has had or is having and will have, which is being able to create, you know, be able to make the promise to somebody who works for works with us that we're going to help make your brand connected. We're going to make it the most connected brand in the space, hopefully. And I, I think there's a lot that goes into that, and I'm sure we'll dive into it. But I like keeping it really simple. There's there's two these two big ingredients: customer experience and brand experience. And love the idea that. Brand experience is, is the whole discipline around telling a story around a brand, trying to articulate the way you feel about a brand. It, it's every technique that we have, whether it be advertising or anything that, that, that we do that, that helps communicate the emotion and the, 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 the emotional reaction you have to a brand. But that would be incomplete, and there's, there's certainly um, you know people who just do that. But I love that, that we, we also then complete the picture with customer experience and everything that goes into if I love and I have, a, have an emotional connection to a brand, I can also um, I can have a full experience with that brand. And so so every touch point that I have with with said brand and I love the two that go together. If I'm having a fantastic customer experience, I need an emotional hook to, to connect that to. And that's the brand experience and the way those things work together. And the way I just described it would be the most separation between the two I'd ever like to see because I think when the end user is, is feeling the, the touch points of a brand mixed with their emotional reaction, they're not thinking in these terms. And that's beautiful. They, should, they never should. Um, but if we can and we can, if we can have the discipline behind that, we've got something that's it's really powerful. That, so BX and CX coming together to create a connection, I love that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, when you talk about BX, just generally, conceptually, you know, what you say on one side versus what you do on the other side. And, and I think Jeff's talked about this at nauseam, and I'll let him speak about it in a second. You know, a poor experience can ultimately break a great promise. I think of an example of like the restaurant industry, where if you go in and the, you know, the table is immaculate, the food is great and everything, and you walk into the bathroom and it's just an absolute dumpster that yeah. affects the outcome of your perception. And, and on the flip side, you can make a, a, a really, really good experience. A poor promise is going to starve that experience. So if you don't ultimately go down that path of connecting both of those things, it ends up really being kind of a missed opportunity. And, and f for you, Jeff, I mean, this has been a year where I think evolution of CX has become front and center to everything we do. And I think even before the pandemic hit, it, it feels like there was this, you know, pretty rapid ramp up to the realization of this is a thing we've got to address. Otherwise, we're going to be playing catch up. Is that how you've been feeling over the last year or two? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the the events of this year um, in many ways have just collapsed what has been a conversation about how to change the nature of relationships with between brands and consumers. And I think that it kind of forced it 
into the in front and center for everyone. Um, and I think what also, you know, necessarily happened is, you know, I think the tools of brand building have been set in place for a while and the tools of marketing and the, this idea of channel level marketing or certain kinds of ways to distribute and create marketing have been really set in stone and probably haven't caught up with the realities of what can be done to reach and relate with, with consumers. And this year, the moment that, you know, retail was taken out of the picture and you took, uh, you know, physical marketing out of the picture and, you know, you changed you know, habits at home and how people were consuming things. All of a sudden the reality that these channels of marketing that have been set in stone for a while, you had to be really agile really quickly with all of them. And you had to be able to move between channels and change distribution. And I think that that just really woke everybody up. And I also think that, you know, most companies, including ours, realize this isn't a point in time that new behaviors are being entrenched this year that will make up the way marketing is done in the future. And so for us, I think we feel advantaged that we had a point of view to offer, but I think we're learning just like the rest of our clients are every day. And so maybe more than knowing what to do with CX, knowing how to act quickly and be on your feet and solve a customer experience problem with all the tools and assets and capabilities of your brand or your company are the most important things you could possibly do. When you think about it, there was a old like newspaper cartoon that was actually posted around as a meme of a big office tower managers in in the meeting room talking about everything uh, with his with his employees and his digital transformation is is years away. I don't see our company having to change anytime soon. Tongue in cheek, of course. But then it, right outside, he's totally oblivious to a giant wrecking ball that's headed his way towards the window, and the words COVID nineteen are painted on the side. We think about the, the words digital transformation, buzzy buzzwords, right? But as you think about the, the long experience of moving a company, big or small, into a new area, digitally transform the way they operate, that's not necessarily something that you can do very quickly. So for those brands that are kind of finding themselves at, at crossroads here, what kind of things would you suggest uh, are, are good places to to start if you're you're just kind of wrapping your head around, gosh, we need to start making some big changes, paradigm shifts. What is a, a good first step for, for leaders like that? You, you know, I'll just, I'll go back and say that anything can start small, you, you know, and I think that the biggest thing that I would encourage anyone to do uh, who, who's dealing with quote digital transformation is don't let the words intimidate you. you. You know, I don't think any of us really know what that means. I think that the, those who work through it really get to the heart of what the problem is. What's the growth problem they have? Why is a customer behavior different than what it was yesterday? And then they just move through that problem and they recognize that digital can play a big role with that. So you don't just have a website because everybody has a website. You have a website because it plays a specific role in solving a consumer problem. Why do I need a mobile app? Well, it's going to do something really well. It's going to lock or unlock a car. It's going to allow me to check my balance at a bank. You know, use things smartly social social is a great way to engage and so instead of just doing things because competitors are or doing things because you heard man we need data at the center of everything i gotta go buy a bunch of martech immediately or man i gotta be <laughs> mobile first which are such easy you know peer pressure things to get chased in a competitive industry just recognize that those things will come naturally if you just solve problems to the, your best of your ability you listen to you know the, the your customers and then you apply the best digital tools that you have at your disposal, everything tends to flow off that. But that, to be honest with you, can get lost. What problem, what customer problem am I solving can get so lost in digital transformation, it can end up being an arms race of how much can I spend, how much complexity can I tackle, 
And it really, I think, confuses the, the, the kind of the fundamental intention of what digital transformation should stand for. What I imagine you guys probably wrestle with quite a bit. I know I know it happens at times, you know, with some of the, the folks that I work with, too. Sometimes when you hear managers come down and say, I, I need something. You mentioned a mobile app or a website. How how do you wrestle with the decoding, if you will, of of what a business leader asks of you and what the CX ask might actually be that's just below the surface? Yeah, I mean, I probably teased on it a minute ago, but I think, you, you, you know, I think you, you never want to ignore the I need a, a, a mobile app because you probably do. You just have to know why and you have to know for what end so you can have a meaningful discussion about it. So again, for me, I think it's more about being thoughtful about Okay, what 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 are again, what are we going to solve with this for a minute? But I also think you can get too clever in this, you know, in in these terms, too. I mean, the reality is look at look at, um, you know, Mary Meeker's stats uh, over the state of the Internet year over year. You you know, everybody's using mobile devices. You can just follow consumption. I mean, you you can follow where people are going to be and you know you're going to have to have some of those fundamentals. So while you want to always ask the whys and you want to be intentional, you know, you also have to recognize that brands need to exist with a certain amount of customer experience. That's just what people are going to expect from the world. And if you don't show up in a way that's easy to buy, easy to shop, easy to search for, content that's engaging, that exists on social channels, you, you're just not even meet, meeting the minimum requirements. So I think, you know, you have to recognize you need things and you have to realize if you're good at them, then you have to differentiate in very specific ways. And I think that gets to understanding what really am I solving for and, and what value would that create? That's a good segue to the idea of, of maturity and knowing kind of where you are. And, you know, the first step towards making that that move is really giving yourself a look in the mirror to say, I'm not as good as I need to be. And if I'm going to get where I need to go, there are going to be some critical first steps. And I think I'd love to hear both of your reactions. We'll talk with Jeff first, then maybe John can, can uh, chime in as well on, on his thoughts. But just using VMLYNR as an example, a lot of times there is this dichotomy of CX is a department, like IT is a department versus no customer experience, at least the way that, that you've trained and, and kind of expounded upon it within our walls. It's a practice. It's a behavioral skill set. Um, is that something as as you think about moving up the maturity model? I would imagine that's got to be a, a critical first step to you know shift the thinking from uh, it's a department within our company as to a way of working. Is that a fair assessment, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think that understanding, let, let, let me just break it down this way. I think at the end of the day, um, you, you know, you're understanding how to reach your customer. And I think that that ends up becoming not the job of one, but the job of many in any company. And, the, you know, our customer could be our clients. Our customer could be a lot of different people with VMLY and R. Um, but when it's working with our clients, the realization is, you know, everybody's got a point of view. I mean, to, to maybe tap on the theme of I know this podcast, you know, the reason we lean heavily into human centered design is because I think it allows us to take people out of their preconceived skill sets and their preconceived roles for a minute. And it permits them to come back into a problem and apply themselves with just the pure passion, pure instinct and pure guts that they have to solve the problem overall. And the more diverse, the better we are in solving those problems. And so for me, the collaboration, that's why CX is in a department, it's a method, because frankly, it depends on the CX problem. If I have a customer service experience problem, I'd want different people designing that problem mm -hmm. and contributing to that than I would, uh, you know, I don't have a real community 
that engages and advocates on behalf of my brand, that's a different kind of design problem. But at the core is the need to get really diverse perspectives. So I would never lock one way of thinking or one skill set in our agency. Our agencies, you know, the, the, the ultimate talent is our culture and our creativity. And I think harnessing that to the maximum amount of its potential through collaboration, through diverse thinking, is the way to solve brand experience, customer experience. And so that's why I advocate for it as a practice. It's never, it's an open source project to me. The more people that touch it, the better we are at doing it. That's my general philosophy. John, of late, how have you seen marketers you talk with change their approach or maybe rethink how they are working with consumers or co-creating with consumers to find new solutions or even reassess what their relationship with them might need to look like in this rapidly changing environment? I think there's a optimistic way that you know, the brand started thinking that the smarter ones and hopefully the ones that, you know, we're, we're helping and working with. But the idea that during if, if the world's changing so much, every brand has a has the, you know, the, the chance to reinvent what they mean in somebody's brand portfolio. If you think about every human being, if you think about your own life, you in the last eight months, you've reevaluated. You probably didn't know it, but you've reevaluated your relationship with every brand in your personal life. And we're always thinking about it from the brand out, but if you think about it from the person in and you just think about your own life, I mean, I've reevaluated every restaurant I go to, every way I think about every airline, I've, everything that I do online, every every device I use, it's now reevaluated to me. And I, I like the idea that they, they, from a brand standpoint, they got to build, they had to, got to, whatever you wanna say, build from a net zero standpoint with me, the person. And I think what the better brands are doing, I think what we're doing a good job of is, is not taking anything for granted in terms of the relationship somebody had with their brand before and saying, let's not take it for granted. Let's rebuild with these consumers and, and consider that, that the relationship we're trying to build, this brand with that person, it's in context with 500 other brands they're trying to reconcile in their life right now, too. And I think the better brands are, are realizing that context. And sometimes that means making different decisions about what we put forward as a brand. Maybe we were a brand that were just selling something in a store, to kind of to Jeff's point earlier. Maybe we need to over-index on not the physical store, but the the platform for helping you use the goods that we sell you in a, in a more holistic way, whether that be paint or, you know, or <laughs> toothpaste, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and I love that. I think that's that's the kind of conversations we were starting to have at the beginning. And I think, I think COVID is horrible, uh, obviously. Um, but it, it's it's really opened up a kind of a new playground for the way you think about brands. I love that. And what I think is super interesting too, and we can talk about this as kind of an aside, but the the stat that keeps getting thrown around in meeting after meeting, and it's all over the web. It's the the idea of you know anywhere between ten and seventeen percent, depending on the stat line you look at, of consumers feel like they're getting a good experience. That leaves a lot of people who, even though as much effort, money, and time has been put into building these good experiences, consumers are still massively aware of when they are having or they perceive to be having a bad experience. And uh, I imagine that that is a daunting task. And, and is there is there a, a level of the bell curve, if you will, of I am putting my resources against something and trying to move up this this experience chain and making it better and better. And then just as I finish something, the bar moves again. And so you're you're constantly having to reset the bar. It's a challenge. But I imagine for you guys in your positions, it's also what gets us out of bed in the morning. It's it's you're always kind of already thinking about the next two or three years, or if not longer, because the minute you get something live, you better have already been thinking about what's coming down the pike, otherwise you're gonna be behind. 
Yeah, I think I mean I, I think Jeff and I probably agree. It's I, we love that challenge of this. We love you know that that the bar is constantly moving up. It it, it means you know what you're saying. Is, I mean, back to your own life, you, you know the you're 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 on one um, you're on your Netflix platform, and they've just done an enhancement to to personalize their entire portfolio of and, and divide out my experience by family members. I go over to another platform and they don't have that yet. I'm just disappointed in it. And then I see on Hulu they've done this, and then I'm already mad at Netflix again that they don't have that. <laughs> it's like an arms race, and the winner is the consumer, you know, because because our expectations matter to brands. And you know, so I think I think we just keep needing to put ourselves in our own personal lives. It happens every hour with a brand in each of our lives. And so all we need to do is as professionals doing this is kind of just put ourselves in in that mindset. And and those little arms races that happen every hour between the brands we're interacting with, how do we use that to advantage brands to to be ahead of the curve and to to, 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 to stay ahead of, of the bar that you're talking, the curve that you're talking about raising? No, I totally agree. I mean, I was just thinking about how my own brain is wired. And I don't know if I got it from my, my dad's engineering genes, but I just chase solving problems. And so I think that the day, like for me, it's more, it's not really about winning or losing. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about kind of playing the game perpetually. And I'm kind of chasing the improvement of stuff over and over again. So as I just live and breathe, you know, I'm not sure there'll be a day where I feel totally satisfied with the experience in front of me, whether that's the experience of BMLYNR, whether that's the experience we're building for clients, whether that's me, just like the lunch experience I just had, I'm sitting here racking my brain saying how, what's the one thing that could have made that a little bit better? And there's always an answer to that question, right? And so as long as there's an answer to that question, you know, my engine, my, you know, I've got fuel in the tank. So that's, that's kind of what is motivating for me. Nick, we were, we were shopping for a car for one of our middle daughter recently uh, as a family and her expertise doesn't know what features are car by car, but we were looking for uh, a, a camera that you could, you know, a rear view camera to, to back up and all this stuff because it was in a, we, you know, we have these nicer vehicles in our family have the lesser budget vehicles in our family. And right now the expectation is no matter what we're paying for a car, is the cheap that we were, we're out there expecting for that to have that rear camera. And we find out that, you know, they don't have that. And you just disappointed. So even budgets are going away that, that, you know, I think people are starting to even lose, lose the fact that, Hey, maybe for this price car, it doesn't have this. I think we're at the point in any category, you're starting to expect a certain amount of, of, of being up the maturity curve to your point no matter what the budget and I think that's great. So I, then we went out in the market, we're looking at this car and every, almost every car has a, a rear view camera now, no matter the budget. And I, I thought that was a byproduct of experience evolution that wouldn't have been there before because consumers would have let auto manufacturers get away with it not being on a less expensive vehicle, no longer. You know, the, the experience bar is so raised. That then pushes the luxury side of the car vehicle to have to have something even better. And so, oh, y'all win in that, in that analogy. Shifting gears now just a little bit, John, let's talk about your experience over the last, let's say, you know, nine months or so as you have shifted from taking the reins of a 7,000 person global agency and then having to shift that into virtual mode is all across the globe. People were you know, wrestling with the pandemic. It has been, I imagine, a pretty big challenge and also a great case study in employee experience development, hasn't it? Yeah, well, a lot there. First of all, I hope I hope you don't have an image of me as a shepherd out in the field. <laughs> uh, I, I'm part of, part of a leadership team for sure. Uh, and but you know, it's definitely definitely a group effort on leading and and uh, 
but but it's it's been great. I mean, I think I think the you know the simply put, I could I could go on on this question a lot because because Jeff and I and lots of others think about it all the time. But I do think that um, simply put, the more the bigger it gets, the simpler we get about the way we think about things. And and as an example, you know, just what we're talking about from a proposition of what we do, this idea of brand experience and customer experience coming together to form a connected brand. That's it. Now, I could go on for six hours with the detail of every skill and capability that lives within that, and we do and could, and train against that and hire against that. But at the end of the day, the simpler we make the proposition, it leads to kind of the second idea, which is, is so simplified, then it leads to the second idea, which is let leaders lead, let people put their own personality. People got to the positions they're in for a reason. The reason anybody has come together, including Rockfish years ago, is because Rockfish is fantastic. Why do anything to make Rockfish other than fantastic or anything that comes into the, the overall capability by keeping the proposition simple, both in our core values, in the culture, and in our capability, what, what happens then is that a, a leader, a great leader, can then put their entire stamp on that with some simple operating system. Now, if the operating system is too complex, you suck all the personality and the gravitas out of said leader. You know, and I, I, I think that it's, it's a pretty simple formula of letting people be who they are. And as long as that only works if you have, if the people that you're having be who they are, if the who they are is good. And so that's thing three, which is let's just hire great people and, and, and invite people into this company and keep great people in this company. When you have a simple proposition, you let people do it and the people doing it are great people in the first place, it's pretty easy from there. Of course, it's not easy, but <laughs> the hardest parts uh, that a lot of agencies think way too much about are those things. We don't have to think about that. We get to think about now the next level of where we're going because we've kept the formula so simple. It's not formulaic and it's not simple, but the point is um, that's a, that's been a formula that's been, been, been um, really good for, for several years. Switching gears just once more, and before we wrap things up on this first episode of Human Centered, love to get uh, a little more insight into stuff that you guys are interested in when you're not doing work. And uh, one thing I, I think everybody at VML YNR probably knows about both of you is that you're both avid Chiefs fans. And I'd be remiss if I didn't get your thoughts on the season thus far, a crazy season in the NFL amidst COVID, but man, the Chiefs are doing great. Yeah, I uh, maybe I'll go first. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, y- y- you know, I'm on cloud nine. I mean, in, in before I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I was a Patriots fan. So I got a little taste of victory when I grew up in Boston. But then I came here and kind of waited out the last 20 years to see a champion arise. And, you know, I think John and I and a group of uh, other friends of ours got to go to the Super Bowl this year. And it was just like one of the most in a year that was just has been terrible on so many levels. That Super Bowl was just the the kind of like <laughs> sweetest dessert of the entire year. And then as we're in the midseason now, you know, you're just living and breathing every single week <laughs> to repeat that success from last year. And, and uh, I'm excited. I think they're an amazing team. <laughs> yeah, that's more than I could say about my hapless Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they haven't smelled an NFL championship in more than three decades. So I'm not holding my breath for that Chiefs Bengals AFC title game. <laughs> Yeah, I think our, our Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship dream is, is maybe not. <laughs> you're the one, you're the one not looking your end of the bargain. Uh, but good luck to Joe Burrow. But yeah, uh, no, it's it, it's I, I I can't believe you know you blink and we're six or seven games into the season and um, depending on when this podcast runs, but it's it's like it's happening. I mean, I think they're doing a good job and it's playing. It's it is. A, I have to admit, the nice respite that comes at the end of the week to know there's something semi-normal 
that you can count on. There's something just wonderful about that. Whatever your sport is, it's like that happens to be Jeff, and I love the NFL. But I have to, if I boil it all down, it's that one little escape where there's no, you know, it's just the world shuts down, and, and it just helps to have a great team too. But I think I'd love it. I'd love it anyway. We've had 50 years of loving football without it being a good team in Kansas City, and so. It's, it's a sweet sugar on top that they're having to be great right now. One of these days we'll have that in Cincinnati, I swear. It's going to happen one of these days. It just has to, right? Uh, all right, next question. Let's talk about TV and movies. Uh, is there a favorite show that you are watching or, or binging right now on any platform? Yeah, Monday Night Football, Sunday Football. No. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not deep into anything because I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Succession Season 3 to become just a, and I started watching Breaking Bad for the third time. Uh, with my oldest daughter, but um, I cannot wait for Succession season three. I absolutely love that show, and then the rest of the billions. Yes, uh, yes. Five is coming out. They got delayed for COVID, so I can't wait for those two. I'm kind of reserving some time for them both. Love Succession. Love Billions. Yeah, I'm with you on the billions for sure. Succession's one that's on the on the backlog, so to speak, to use an <laughs> IT term, but uh, eventually it will get there. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Yeah, uh, plus one to both of those. Nick, get it off the backlog. Okay, uh, that, fair that's enough. Outstanding. It's worth like tonight. It's worth you doing. Drop whatever you're doing. Uh, send the family somewhere else. Get invested in that. Uh, you, you know, I tend to fast follow John on most of his uh, leads for TV programming. Uh, and uh, he uh, pointed me to Ted Lasso. I just finished Ted Lasso. And that was surprising. I did not think I'd like it. I thought it was going to be kind of cheesy comedy. But I mean, it was it was really good, really outstanding. A lot of good parallels too to uh, a Kansas City, uh, you, you know, agency growing up in a in a big city uh, industry. You, you know, there was just a lot of things that kind of struck home on that one for me. So excellent. Worth the watch. All right. Noted. I know what I'm doing tonight. Succession and then adding adding yours to my list. Uh, last one. And then we'll we'll call it. You're, you're having friends or family over for dinner. Jeff, we'll, we'll start with you. What is the specialty you would cook up for the group? You know, right now it would be smoked chicken wings. And it's funny because John and I both bought a smoker this year and have been like rapidly exchanging culinary notes as to not totally butcher butcher the meat we're buying in those things. But I uh, I feel really good right now about my wings game, so I would go with wings. Are you a dry rub guy or a sauce guy or both? Uh, I am a I'm a dry rub guy. All sauce right. at the end. All right, I can dig it. I can dig it, John. Yeah, I, I dry rub wings guy too. But uh, <laughs> I, I same thing. Yeah, Jeff and I we've gotten it's about the same time these smokers. But um, yeah, I, I, I really, really have perfected a a really thick reverse seared ribeye. So I buy it at the butcher, literally two inches thick and huge. So it's it's a big expensive ribeye for a treat, and then you, I'll smoke it uh, just short of medium rare and get all the smoke flavor i'll take it off and i'll put it on the grill and take it up to medium rare by by giving a good coating at the end so you get the smoke and you get the uh kind of that 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 good bark crust of the grill and uh just a little bit of salt pepper and garlic on it and that's it and it's it's amazing so it's a reverse seared smoked grilled thick ribeye I'll have you over sometime. I was going to say, I think I have a couple of very important meetings I must get to in Kansas City over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. we, can do the, we can do the wings for a starter. Then yes, then, I love it. Dinner and dessert. <laughs> That's a game changer right there. Guys, can't thank you enough for being the very first guests on Human Centered. Really appreciate your time and great discussion today. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nick. 
Thanks, Nick. And thanks to you all for listening to Human Center. As any good CX pro should ask for, we'd love to hear your feedback on the show. Give us a rating and offer up your thoughts wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a topic idea or even just want to drop us a line? You can email us at humancentered at vmlyr.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.